What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Be Shafe Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, joining you here on Monday, March 22nd, as we break down some Cardinals baseball. Cardinals had a game this afternoon against the Miami Marlins down at Roger Dean Stadium in Jupiter, where they share the facilities there. Cardinals lost this one 7-2, but the takeaways from spring training games most often are more than just the final score, and so we're going to dig in a little bit deeper to what was going on today for the Cardinals. It was another Grapefruit League start for Jack Flaherty, which has not always been the case when it's his turn to pitch this spring because there have been a couple of times where the Cardinals have put him on the backfields to whether it's a B game or an inter-squad game and he's pitching against fellow Cardinals. He's had a little bit of a different schedule to his operations this spring. And, you know, you can read into that and think that that could indicate some sort of problem or issue, but then you can step back and think about it from the team's perspective and try to logically approach some things, and it can kind of make sense when you when you look at the schedule and recognize that Flaherty would have faced the Washington Nationals a bunch of times in a row this spring and, you know, would have had some, some circumstances like that where, look, the Cardinals faced Max Scherzer, I think, three or four times this spring because they're only playing, you know, the four other teams that are in their pod the Marlins, the Astros, the Nationals, and the Mets, because that's those are the teams that are basically stationed over there at Jupiter, uh, Palm Beach, and Port St. Lucie, which is about 45 minutes away from Jupiter, up the highway going north. So those are the teams that they've played because of COVID, and it just so happened that the Cardinals were always playing the Nationals when it was Flaherty's turn to pitch, and so it could be that that's the simple explanation for why they've adjusted his schedule and had some of his games be not in the stadium, not under the lights, or not on television, you know, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to indicate something's wrong. You look at his outing on Monday, and I would say, you know, pretty favorable overall. If you got a chance to, to see it, you know, you might have taken away something different from just looking at the box score. Five and a third innings pitched, gave up four runs, three of them were earned, had three walks, and did give up a homer. So, you know, you look at those numbers, that wouldn't be a banner outing if you were experiencing that in the middle of June or July as part of your regular season but right now it's a lot about getting the work in and, and he demonstrated some things I think in this outing that made you feel like he's ready to go when it comes time for the season maybe a little bit more so than before when you had questions about you know you hadn't seen him and so it's kind of hard to tell on a regular basis every fifth day how he looks and feels if you're not getting eyes on him so I would say in the outing that he had today uh, you know had a couple of really strong innings had an eight pitch inning I believe at one point in time and was really kind of sailing along there, uh, ran into trouble in the fifth. That's when he gave up all of the four runs that, that were scored against him today. Uh, Cardinals would make an error in the inning, and it just kind of was an inning that gets away from him. But I think the positive you can take away from it is the fact that he got through that inning and actually did come out uh, to, to record an out in the sixth. So that's definitely something to, to keep in mind with regard to Flaherty when you think. And there have been, I've seen a variety of, of takes and opinions on, you know, what expectations are for his season this coming season and and people always hearken back to the 2019 second half when he was so mesmerizing and fantastic and Bob Gibson-esque and you know a lot of times we're trying to compare and saying you know to, to try and get back to that to to what that was like and Harrison Bader was asked about that with regard to Jack Flaherty and his his comment was you know as a as a ball player you're really never trying to revert or regress back to 
a previous form. You're always trying to look forward and move forward, and so he imagines it's the same for Flaherty. But you understand the question and, and the idea that Flaherty was really successful in 2019, especially in that second half. And then last year, you know, as the media or fans, we like to frame it and say, oh, it was a tough year for Flaherty. 2020 wasn't what he wanted it to be. It wasn't as productive, etc. But I, I really think that year specifically different than any other year that we've had to evaluate sports in recent memory. You have to treat it a little bit differently because of the circumstances, especially when you think about it from a pitcher. And we've talked about this before on the podcast, but now that the season is nearly upon us and we're thinking about Jack Flaherty and what his outlook is, I think it's worth revisiting when you consider, you know, talking to, to a guy like Tyler Webb too today, where he, he was asked about, just the, the stopping and starting and how that impacted you as a as a reliever. And Webb said today, uh, you know, his arm didn't know what was going on at points last season when you consider ramping up for spring training. That's pretty typical and something you're used to as a pitcher. And then the ramp up suddenly stops and it's still March and, and your arm probably is more accustomed to continuing that ramp up and continuing to do more pitching at that point in time instead of less or, or none at all at that at that point when the Cardinals were completely shut down along with the other teams in Major League Baseball because of coronavirus. And so they get to summer camp, and then you start to ramp back up again when your body typically would feel like it's already in midseason mode. They were basically starting from scratch at that point in time. And so, you know, you're already a little bit behind the eight ball. And then in the Cardinals' case, you had two shutdowns essentially where you're in your hotel room in Milwaukee for – five, six days, whatever it was, then you get to go back to St. Louis. You think you're going to play a game, and turns out, no, you're going to be quarantined again at home for another period of, you know, whether it was a week or what it was specifically. And so all that time you're trying to figure out as a pitcher, you know, what you need to be doing with your routine to make sure you're going to be ready to go when play resumes. Kind of an impossible task and ask of somebody who, uh, you know, just trying to get through the season and, and make things happen when you really don't know what to expect. So I think that was true for all pitchers last year, but more so than anybody else. True for the Cardinals, and, and when you look at Jack Flaherty specifically, true for him because of the, the way the Cardinals handled him even after the team got back and going. So if Tyler Webb's arm didn't know what was going on and what to expect, uh, certainly Jack Flaherty, you can understand why things were a little bit up and down. But again, if you look at his numbers, don't just look at the end of the season numbers for Flaherty last year. Look at the, you know, dive in a little bit and you'll see, yeah, he had one really bad game in Milwaukee. It was the worst game that the Cardinals played last year and it was probably the worst game I can remember from the Cardinals given all the circumstances surrounding it in several seasons since I started covering the team in 2016. Uh, because they they had all the weirdness with the Adir Molina and the managers getting you know involved and words were thrown across and Craig Council and Mike Schilt and it was like a whole ordeal. In the meantime, Jack Flaherty's like trying to pitch a ball game and gives up a career high in runs and so it was like you don't want to have those games and hopefully it never happens again for Jack Flaherty or any other Cardinals pitcher or anything like it. However. If you look at the small sample size of the season, that one game had such an impact on the final numbers that it made it look like Flaherty had a, a bad year. You know, his final ERA was 4.91. But if you take that outing out of the equation, his ERA was like 3.12 or something like that. It was very much in line with what you would expect from Jack Flaherty. It wasn't with the, the you know, going deep into games and having quality starts because he wasn't allowed to pitch six or seven innings very often last season. And so you you just look at his numbers, though, as far as effectiveness, allowing runs. Uh, it, he was pretty solid under some trying circumstances. And then you remember the postseason start that he got against the Padres when he pitched really well in a losing effort because the Cardinals flat out did not score that day. 
and that was the end of it. But that those those stats either don't count toward Flaherty's whatever I said, three point one two, three point one three ERA that would have been the case if not for that one really rotten, no good outing that he had in Milwaukee. So now you look at him this spring, ERA, you know, not tremendous as far as the spring outings that he's had, but again, small sample size at this point in time, I and of course, this is what the Cardinals are going to say because anybody that's underperforming, it could be Matt Carpenter going one for twenty-nine. The Cardinals are going to say, "Well, he's hitting the ball hard and you know having some bad luck." That's you'd expect nothing different. When it comes to Jack Flaherty, I think there's reason to to be a little bit more uh, cautious before you feel like the sky is falling on this guy. He looked pretty darn good today, and then had one bad inning, which is going to color the box score a little bit differently. Uh, but if you were watching the game, you saw a pitcher who was in command of things. Uh, for the for the bulk of that outing, and then demonstrated the ability to get up to 90 pitches that he threw to get through a trying fifth inning, and that's I mean that's what it's going to be about when the season happens, right? The Cardinals only scored two runs today. Uh, Dylan Carlson had another massive home run to right field. That left-handed swing of his is so sweet, and he's going to hit some home runs to right field. I would imagine at Bush Stadium and ballparks across America uh, throughout his major league career. But good to see him doing that offensively. Wasn't a whole lot else, though, that you got from the Cardinals' offense on Monday because you only scored two runs. So in, in a typical game, if you're in the middle of the season and Jack Flaherty gives up a four spot in the in the fifth inning, partially because of some some you know misplays defensively that allows that inning to continue, you like to think that, okay, he was able to get through that and then come out to pitch again in the sixth inning so you can keep it at a four-run game. Uh, or, or four runs for your opponent, or whatever it was, a two-run, one-run, three-run game at that point in time because the Cardinals had gotten on the board. But that's what you want to see. You want to see your starter be able to keep you in those situations when uh, things go a little bit uh, haywire. And that's what they did in the fifth inning today for, for Flaherty and the Cardinals. But again, it's great to be able to look at these situations and recognize that it doesn't matter yet, it doesn't count yet, but you're seeing signs that, that you'd like to see from from you know what you expect to be your ace starting pitcher this season. Speaking of the starting rotation and starting pitchers, uh, Adam Wainwright will officially get the ball for opening day at Bush Stadium, the home opener, I should say, because the Cardinals start on the road April 1st in Cincinnati, and then on April 8th, it'll be Waino getting the ball for the home opener, which is not a surprise. It'll be great to see, uh, you know, back with fans in the building, Wainwright, long time, you know, stud for the Cardinals. Fans will have the opportunity to, to show their appreciation for him, and especially, you know, after what he did last year, as he was their ace last year. There's no question about that. If you look at the numbers top to bottom, he was their best starter, and he uh, hopes to be able to continue on that trajectory this year, and he'll get to do so. He'll be the second guy to take the ball for St. Louis in that Cincinnati series, which is what will set him up to be able to start the home opener on April 8th to keep his turns in line, etc. So agree with the decision. There wasn't much of a decision to be made, honestly, if you're Mike Schilt. Uh, it was just that officially he was asked about it today, and Wainwright's been alerted, and so Schilt took the opportunity to alert the media, and uh, that'll be the case with Wayno going on opening day at St. Louis. Home opener. i got to continue to call that what it is. But let's get into some other topic that this could be an interesting conversation, and it's something that was mentioned on Twitter. I talked about a little bit following the Schilt Zoom conference this afternoon, following the game. This could pertain to opening day. It could pertain to the home opener. And and depending on the way the Cardinals want to handle it, it could pertain to early going in the first few weeks of the season. And it's someone that I mentioned a moment ago, and that's Matt Carpenter, who at last check was like one for 29, one for 30 this spring. 
Uh, in today's game, put a couple of balls in play. One was a hot shot to first that was able to get knocked down and, and ends up retiring Carpenter for an out in that situation. So another day where, you know, you could say if you're Mike Schilt, like he hit the ball hard. He Factually, that is true. I didn't see the exit velocity on it, but stung it to a first baseman playing in front of the bag. So uh, that could have just as easily gone as a double under different circumstances. And then maybe we're talking about how Matt Carpenter's getting hot and, you know, maybe he can be a benefit to the Cardinals off the bench or in, in some spot starts here and there. And fans maybe would feel a little bit better about Carpenter if, if one of those hits had fallen in and he has a, a, a batting line that's better than, you know, 033 or whatever it is at this point. Understandable. But at the end of the day, Matt Carpenter veteran under contract we've talked about why the contract wasn't a good thing but that's in the past essentially because it's here now he's getting paid regardless and the cardinals have every reason in their mind to to give him the opportunity to try and contribute to this team as someone who certainly still acts as a veteran leader but production wise it hasn't been there um you know really going back to the end of 2018 his, his wonderful season before the cardinals even signed him to that extension then in 2019 he had a bad year, but if you look at the numbers, it, was, it wasn't it was even close to how unfortunate things unfolded for him in 2020. And so using the, the thought process of, well, shortened season, everybody had trouble. Let's see if Carpenter can get back on track because if he, even if he's as productive as he was in 2019, which was a below average hitter, below 100, if you're using weighted runs created plus or OPS plus, but he hit like 15 homers. His OPS was like 726 or something in that neighborhood. So, like, it wasn't completely pitiful. He was he was, he was producing at certain points and had some hits for the Cardinals that year. Last year, though, it's they were really few and far between the moments that he had, and he was, you know, he struggled. You know, he hit in the 100s, uh, didn't have much power to show for it. Still has the batting eye that he's always possessed because he, he takes his walks, um, but, you know, he still strikes out looking, and you could kind of live with that with a guy being a little bit more selective when you know that, he's going to drive the ball when he gets the pitch that he likes. But if you're just kind of going up there and being real selective and, and hoping to get walked almost is kind of the way I think it looks like to a lot of Cardinals fans, that's not something that fans are really going to get too excited about. And the team shouldn't be too excited about it either. Like you're going to say you're happy if Carpenter goes to the yard and has a day where he takes two walks. Like if you get on base twice, that's great. But it's harder to replicate when you also don't have as part of your on-base profile the ability to, to drive the baseball on a consistent basis. And so if Matt Carpenter is going to be, you know, he's, he said earlier in the spring that he doesn't view himself yet as a part-time player. That's not something that's been established, and so he would like the opportunity uh, to, to earn a job. That's all he's coming here to look to do. Well, he hasn't earned anything with this performance this spring. I don't think that you could argue otherwise. Uh, you know, I try to be fair to the players and, and recognize that these are humans, guys out there doing their best. But, I mean, the, the proof at some point will be in the pudding. And for Carpenter, it just hasn't been there right now offensively. Uh, defensively he's looked fine, but to get his bat in the lineup, you have to, you have to do more than that. And so I, obviously he's, he would tell you, we don't get to talk to him every day. So we don't know exactly what's going through his mind right now, but he would tell you that he's, you know, not, not feeling like, you know, he's producing and doing what he's capable of at the plate and would like to do better. I'm sure that's what he would say. And so if you're Carpenter and if you're the Cardinals, what do you do here? Because Tommy Edmonds looked really good. Had another hit today is hitting, you know, close to 350 for the spring OPS around 800 and has been everything you could hope to see from a leadoff guy going to have some stolen base pop potentially in there when he gets on base you'd like to see him draw some walks as well he could he could be a real force at the top of the Cardinals lineup if he continues to perform as he had but he's supposed to be the second baseman right 
where does that leave Matt Carpenter? For most fans, you'd say, well, why does it matter where where it leaves him? I, I, his performance hasn't dictated the uh, the fact that he should be in the lineup. But I'm just looking at opening day specifically, whether you want to say like literally the first game of the season or you count opening day and the home opener as kind of a duo where the Cardinals historically have given opportunities to players, to veteran players, uh, who even if they're not you know hitting at their best, they're still probably going to be in there on that day. Doesn't mean they're an everyday player just because they start an opening day, but I've talked about this on the podcast. Could I envision a scenario where Carpenter is given uh, – you can call it a ceremonial nod. You can call it, you know, expressing the confidence in him, instilling that confidence that we still believe in you. So maybe that's something that can allow him to turn his game around if he's given that, you know, that that vote of confidence from the team. Call it whatever you want, but I, I just look at it and think, based on what they've done historically, I don't think it's impossible that Matt Carpenter would be given a start at second base on whether it's opening day or the home opener on April eighth at, at Bush Stadium. I don't think it's impossible, and I've said that leading up in, in recent weeks on the podcast to this season. Well, now today we hear from Mike Schilt that he says, and this was this was not like a, a big revelation necessarily as part of the Zoom conference. I understand that you know we hear 15 minutes of Mike Schilt, and if we only tell you what happened in two minutes of it, it's hard for you to really get the, the context of the conversation in which that took place. But in, in a conversation about just the kind of team in general, he mentions Tommy Edmond, that, you know, you don't be surprised and don't read too much into this, but you're going to see him play some outfield over the next few days. And I don't know if you'll actually physically see it as a Cardinals fan because I don't know if that's going to be Grapefruit League games, backfield games, B games, exactly what it's going to look like. But they are going to give him some reps in the outfield, which is something that, you know, a couple weeks ago I remember saying it on the podcast, like, look, if, if Matt Carpenter is going to play second base, even in, in a, a, you know, once a week ceremonial capacity, whatever it is, I don't see Mike Schilt sitting down Tommy Edmond, almost whether he's performing or not. Because you remember sometimes when we've we've gone back to the Rosarena conversation when he was in the organization, and it was Edmond starting in the outfield, and it was uh, Jaro Munoz, who also got some playing time in the outfield that summer at the expense of some other guys that Cardinals fans were saying, hey, what about them? Could they help you out? And so I've always kind of thought back to that, and you've seen it last year. Edmund didn't have the greatest offensive season last year. There were some underlying things that the Cardinals liked about his plate discipline and, and you know, what he was doing at the plate to be able to envision a better future for him. But, like, the numbers last year, like for many of the Cardinals, weren't spectacular. But Tommy Edmund was still in there pretty often. And last year you had the ability to kind of put him wherever. You could put him at third like he often played, and he played some outfield and, uh, shortstop, you know, in theory, he's a backup shortstop to Paul DeYoung, potentially, and believe he had a, a few reps there last year as well. But second base was kind of, you know, that was kind of locked down by Colt Wong. Now you have this obvious place to put him. And so, you know, the, the, the thought was, well, he's going to be the second baseman for the Cardinals, and that's just going to be that. I, knowing that Matt Carpenter is there, though, I just never saw it that way, especially if he had a good spring. Now that he hasn't, though, it kind of makes it interesting just for a conversation around opening day, and it doesn't mean he's going to be the everyday second baseman, but could I see Carpenter being put into that position? I could. I've been able to see it for a month now, and now that we're hearing Tommy Edmond going to play some outfield, I said, well, it makes sense because you're going to want to get him some reps in the outfield if that's where he's going to be starting on opening day, right? So I don't I don't think the majority of games are going to be played by Matt Carpenter at second base necessarily unless he really starts to, to turn it on all of a sudden. But I do think it's possible that you see it sometimes, and so it only makes sense given the proclivity for Mike Schultz to keep Tommy Edmond in the lineup. And that's not – I don't say that as a 
you know, a negative or a detriment to the Cardinals because right now he's been one of your better uh, offensive players in spring, the way he's gone about his business and has actually produced in the box scores. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, putting Edmund in the outfield at this point in time. However, there is the fact of whose spots he going to take. It's not going to be Dylan Carlson. Uh, when we've when we've tried to kind of map out Cardinals outfield playing time over the past few weeks and months, Carlson, it seems like we're like, yeah, 85% Carlson. Dylan Carlson needs to play every day. There, he needs to be on Goldsmith Arenado status with regard to and DeYoung. I mean, that's the status they give DeYoung too, for better or worse. Um, a guy that's you know in past seasons has kind of gotten run down as the years gone along, and people have said, hey, why don't you give him a day here and there? Uh, but he's been given that status for better or worse. And Yadier Molina obviously is a guy that's always going to be in there. I think Dylan Carlson, almost you got to give him that kind of status to where he plays until he says he needs to come out of the lineup because he's tired, unless he's really scuffling at the plate. Uh, he's got the ability to be one of the Cardinals' best hitters. And so put him there in the lineup and within the lineup and batting order, put him in a position that indicates you feel that way. He was in the two-hole today. I don't know which way that's going to go. I've stated my preference. If I were the manager, I'd be putting Goldsmith too because of the on-base prowess that he's showed. I'd have Arnado batting third because I think he's probably the Cardinals' best hitter. But I think Dylan Carlson, if he's not their their you know second best hitter, he's their third best hitter, right behind Goldsmith and Arnado. If everything's going well, I would bat him cleanup. I wouldn't bat him any lower than fourth or fifth in the batting order. Um, you could bat him leadoff if you really wanted to and try to shake things up. I just I do like Goldsmith batting second. And so even though it was Carlson second today and everybody sees it and how good it looks because he homers. It's like I, you could go that way, and you wouldn't. I would. You wouldn't really find any fault with me on that. But my personal belief is Arnado bat him in the first inning, get him in there in the three hole. Goldsmith bat him in the first inning, and if you want Edmund at leadoff, then that means Car- uh, Carlson's got to go somewhere else. Why not clean up? Why not fourth? Because that'll get him in the lineup up at the plate the very next opportunity that you have within that batting order if he's your next best hitter. It's my belief that he is, and so that's the way I would do it, even if he's not a prototypical slugging cleanup guy that's going to hit 40 home runs a year. The game's changed, and I don't think he needs to be that to be batting fourth for the Cardinals. But, uh, yeah, everyday everyday basis, I think, for Dylan Carlson. So back to the conversation about Edmund and Carpenter, where does Edmund play? That is it left field. You know, Tyler O'Neill has done everything to earn his opportunity out there, and we know the Cardinals aren't really looking to sit Harrison Bader very often. So it's it's going to be really fascinating when you have, you know, legitimately nine guys that, you know, you only have eight spots for. And the reason there's a ninth is because of Carpenter's veteran status, and I know that a lot of fans won't agree with that. And I could just be totally off base here. Maybe the Cardinals aren't even thinking about this. But look, if you're putting Edmund in the outfield to prepare for the possibility, to me it reads as the Cardinals are begging to see something from Matt Carpenter to give them a reason. It's like, give me a reason, Carp. Give me a reason to put you in there because I want to. I want to give you that opportunity, even if it's just opening day and then, you know, one and a half times per week after that. Even if that's all it is, I think Mike Schilt wants to give Carpenter that opportunity because he remembers what it was like when Carpenter was going strong and how important that was for the team at the time. And now you've since added two superstars since Carpenter has been that kind of player. So it could be, I mean, if he could... He doesn't have to be 2018, you know, mid-June Matt Carpenter. He he could just be a guy that does take his walks when they're given to him, but he also is able to drive the ball to all fields when the pitcher dictates that as a possibility. You know, hit it where it's pitched, be a guy that can 
get on base at like a 350 clip, uh, whether you're hitting 240 or whatever, it doesn't really matter. You're going to have a few homers, several doubles. Be vintage Matt Carpenter. But, you know, if the skills have just diminished, that's just going to be the way it is, and he's not going to be able to, to put it together with the hard contact that he would need to facilitate that kind of place and role on the team. But he's here. Cardinals are certainly going to be rooting for him. And with the news that Edmonds going to be getting a little bit of work in the outfield, I'm just saying stay tuned to that possibility of Matt Carpenter uh, in the opening day lineup. Now, where he would bat in that lineup, like to me, this is going to be the hardest year to guess the opening day lineup unless Mike Schilt gives us some more concrete examples ahead of time to kind of like allow people to brace themselves, I guess. Like if three days before the season somebody asks, hey, is Matt Carpenter going to be in that lineup? And maybe those conversations will happen as, as we continue to do the Zooms. And, and get a read for what it's going to look like. But otherwise, you know, it could just end up being that day we find out, you know, what it looks like. Could be Edmund, could be Carpenter, could be, you know, who knows. But I think from that perspective, it's going to make it real interesting to guess what the opening day lineup could be uh, from that perspective and also from the where's Goldsmith going to bat perspective because Carlson's been buried in that lineup 6-7, and we've talked about how he probably should be up there a little higher. Well, today Mike Schultz puts him there, and it looks really good when he homers. So, uh, is that something that maybe Schilt would revert and, and, and go ahead and do what a lot of people think he should do and have it go Carlson 2, Goldsmith or Arenado, pick your poison 3, and then the other one batting 4th? I would imagine if he goes that route, it would be Arenado batting 4th and Goldsmith batting 3rd, but you know we'll wait and see. And it's going to be awesome, though, once this all happens and it settles out and we get to see what it looks like. Then we're talking about real baseball, and that is not too far away, just over a week from now. So I appreciate you guys. We're going to kind of wrap up this episode of Be Shape Daily right here. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, we're going to be having episodes all season long, so make sure you do that. You can go to Apple, Spotify, Google, all the places where you can find podcasts. You're going to be able to find Be Shape Daily there. Just put it into your search bar, B-S-C-H-A-E-F-F Daily, and that'll be where you find uh, the podcast. I think you'll even find my like my Twitter image some form of that as the uh, like the main head, headline photo for the show. So if you don't follow me on Twitter, you can do that over at bshafer12. But uh, we'd love to have you on board. Subscribe to the show as we talk Cardinals baseball all summer long. Appreciate you guys for joining this edition of the show, and we'll talk to you next time.